A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hello, welcome to Deep Into Sleep. This is Ishan. Have you ever considered trying hypnotherapy? Have you ever wondered whether you will be able to be hypnotized? Can hypnosis make you do things that you don't want to do, or is that legit? Is that dangerous? What can it do to you? Today, let's find it out together with Dr. Elizabeth Bonet from Florida. She will guide us through the mystery world of hypnosis. Dr. Liz, welcome to Deep Into Sleep. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. As a clinical psychologist, I know you not only do regular psychotherapy, but also you do. Hypnotic therapy. Can you please explain to us what you do exactly and what that look like from day to day? Yes, absolutely. I am a certified hypnotherapist, and I have a PhD in clinical psychology. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor, and I work a lot with anxiety as well as a variety of disorders that are. Amenable to hypnosis, so people come to me for all kinds of stuff. But generally, I am an anxiety expert. If you're looking at me from a psychotherapy type of lens, but they'll come in for phobias. Sleep is very, very common that they call me for chronic pain, IBS,、uh, migraines. So it's all these different areas that hypnosis in the research literature. Has been proven very effective for, as well as、um, this general anxiety and panic disorder.、Hmm. I got most of the image of hypnosis from movies, and、uh, normally a therapist would let the patients lie down and relax, and then deliver some guided instructions to put them into an unconscious state. And then deliver work that way. So I'm curious: is that what your work look like in real life? Right. It's a great question. What we know about hypnosis has evolved over the years, and the definition I use these days is more about brainwave states. So we know that our brain moves through different brainwave states, from full consciousness, like we are in now talking, to deeper consciousness. Right. And what some people would call unconscious—that's really a medical term, though. If someone's completely unconscious, but just like sleep, where we move through beta, alpha, which is more relaxed, theta, which is even deeper, delta, which is very deep sleep. The same thing happens in hypnosis. So I'm essentially guiding someone through more relaxed brainwave states into those states with my words, basically. So that change can happen faster and easier in a more relaxed brainwave state, and we have a lot of、um, the brain scans and research studies to show that that happens. 
So there was one research study I read about chronic pain that they put them into the brainwave scanners and all of that because they were trying to test, like, is this real? Does someone really feel less pain under hypnosis or is it their imagination? Right? Because our imaginations can do so much for us. We know this too. And they found that hypnosis affects 15 different parts of the brain. And the effect really was real. Like the pain centers that they've identified in the brain were really feeling less pain. They activate and light up when someone's in this level of pain and that level of pain. You know, it's all the medical stuff, which I find interesting, but I am not a medical researcher. Okay, So... I have to rely on what medical researchers are telling me. So they found that under hypnosis, this really is affecting the brain structures. It really does affect the parasympathetic nervous system. It changes bowel tissues when they study hypnosis and IBS. It is changing bowel tissues. So it is like, wow, a real effect. So that's how I generally explain hypnosis to people. Now, Back to your question about the movies. I can barely watch a movie with hypnosis in it without cringing, okay, because they portray it like so poorly usually. It is very uncommon to find a movie or a TV show that portrays an ethical, um, well-practicing hypnotherapist. There is a show um, that's pretty popular right now called Working Moms. And I guess her ex-husband, one of the moms, her ex-husband is a hypnotherapist and does all kinds of bad stuff with it. And I was like, oh no, oh no, you know, but in terms of practicalities, do people lay down on my couch? Yes, they do. <laughs> so some <laughs> hypnotherapists have them just sit up right there, just in a regular chair. Most of us have a chair that reclines some so that someone can get relaxed um, some of us have couches, just like a regular therapist's office, I would say. That we have some, I'm in like therapy groups on um, Facebook and stuff and hypnotherapy groups. Some people use headphones in their session with background noise. I don't really do that because I, that's quite an elaborate setup to have. And I do all kinds of therapy that um, my office space doesn't really allow for that setup either. But some people do that. So it really varies across the board. But I see. I want you to come in. I have to do an assessment on you, right? Just like any clinician would. And we talk about what's going on and we talk about your goals. And then I do a screening instrument, a couple of them actually for hypnosis, because not everyone can be hypnotized. About 15% of the population, they say, cannot. And then we do, I have them relax, and then we do hypnosis. So it's a quite nice process, actually. Mm. Yeah, sounds quite amazing. So in that stage, people can feel less pain, less anxious, and uh, the parasympathetic system can be more relaxed and adjusted. That's very interesting. So I'm curious, I'm, I have the question, um, when they're in that stage, when you're talking, they feel all this benefit. What about afterwards? Does this effect just uh, last, uh, carry out of the session in their life? 
Absolutely. It carries out of the session. So it's pretty rare that someone doesn't feel fantastic after hypnosis. Like it is a regular comment that I get from people who will say, oh my gosh, I wish I could have stayed there forever. Or can I sleep on your couch? Or, you know, like they love it generally. And the theory again behind hypnosis is that we're really changing the neural pathways in the brain when we're doing hypnosis. So we're building new ones. We're putting up stop signs to old ones. And then that effect does last outside of the session. I will often send recordings home with someone if appropriate so they, they can listen to them at home and it reinforces those new neural pathways. But they're being built in the session. So one of my favorite things to do, though, is work with insomnia because I struggled with insomnia my whole life myself. When I was a kid, I used to have nightmares. That's when I first began to get really interested in sleep. And then my honors thesis in undergrad was on nightmares, basically state anxiety, trade anxiety, and the relationship to nightmares. And then I just kept a general interest in sleep. So when I became certified and trained in hypnosis, that was one of the first things I did is learn how to work with hypnosis and sleep and insomnia and how do I put someone to sleep, you know? How did, but it's really, how do they put themselves to sleep? So what I teach in my office is a, it's a combination, really, of cognitive behavior therapy and all the benefits of that field, as well as a skill for them to use self-hypnosis so that they can put themselves to sleep because I really want them independent of me, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I am always looking for new ways that hypnotherapists work with that, but there are also some pretty standard ways that we do that. So, yeah, absolutely. They're taking that skill out of the office, using it at home, and find great benefit. Yeah, I really like what you mentioned because uh, when I use CBT for insomnia to treat insomnia, it's similarly we teach people um, knowledge about sleep, skills, change their sleep habit, change their attitude towards sleep. Eventually, they are able to go home to adjust their own sleep. It's a way of empowering them. Sounds like you are doing exactly the same thing. But in addition to CBT, you have this amazing tool to yes. help them further. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And there are some people who they're scared of hypnosis because of what they've seen on TV, right? Or in the movies. So they're not interested in hypnosis. And those people obviously benefit greatly from CBTI and all of those um, thought changing and the stress reduction and all of that stuff that we teach, right? Sleep hygiene, Mm -hmm. all of that. And then people who are not scared of hypnosis, sometimes they come in and they think I'm going to wave the magic wand and just be able to put them to sleep, right? And I have to go through an education process of, well, this isn't magic. I don't have a magic wand. You probably will fall asleep during our session, but you know, I want you to be able to do this on a regular basis. So we have to do this part too. We have to talk about 
all of the cognitive thoughts and how do we stop the worries going on and how do we um, set up our sleep environments for better sleep. So it's all of that good stuff as well. But I have a question. You teach though uh, progressive muscle relaxation though, mm-hmm. or, or meditation yes. in CBTI, correct? Yes, we, we do. And uh, I actually, that's my question for you also. First, when I teach CBTI, I use some relaxation skills, some meditation, something borrowed from different areas like mindfulness or acceptance commitment therapy to help people really deal with their worries and relax their body. But at the same time, I definitely run into the same problem. Some people use that as a magical wand. They think, oh, you teach me these skills. So if I practice them, I should be able to fall asleep immediately. If not, I feel anxious. I need to get up to take a sleeping pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really like how you guide your patients also, tell them, well, this cognitive behavioral component is still very important. And whatever we do, not a substitute for medication to just put you sleep. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And the, the mindfulness techniques in the meditation, there is overlap, I think, with hypnosis. What's the difference between them? So some people define the difference between meditation and hypnosis is that when we're in hypnosis, we're working towards a goal, right? Like we are going in there to create change, basically. Versus when people meditate, they're generally not doing a goal-directed meditation, right? Like it is really training the nervous system and the body to be able to relax itself, to calm down to soothe itself. Mm -hmm. And so you're not saying, okay, how do I resolve my childhood trauma in meditation, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Versus Uh often people will come in for that, for hypnosis, for trauma, for PTSD, for subconscious beliefs, changing those types of things, like deeper work. They're not just using it for practical things like I want to be able to live in Florida and not be scared of lizards, right? Like, because that would be pretty impossible if you're scared oh, of lizards. It's hard to live in Florida. Right? Yeah. And in China, people would go to hypnosis to forget their boyfriend, girlfriend, if they have a breakup. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yes. I wish I could make someone forget. forget <laughs> I've been there, right? There is um, someone I know, Kelly Woods, who does hypnosis for heartbreak. And I... Oh. Yes, and I offer that too sometimes in my practice from time to time, and it's it's hard, but I can't make someone forget who they are, right? Yeah. But there is a difference there because meditation, you, again, you're teaching a skill, you're learning a skill, and when you do hypnosis for insomnia, it's very similar. So we are not just saying, though, relax the body and relax the muscles and that type of thing, right? Well, generally meditation or mindfulness techniques will stop there versus hypnosis will go on to say, and you'll be able to sleep in a deep and restful sleep, only waking up if you truly need to, if something truly needs your attention. Otherwise, waking up in the morning, feeling refreshed, energized, ready to face the day. So it's like hypnosis goes in and puts in suggestions that take it, I think, uh, one step further, uh, making these positive suggestions for them. 
Okay. Do you find the positive suggestions in, um, like insomnia cases, can be very helpful to Abs- people? Yes, absolutely. I do like generally my insomnia program is three sessions. Sometimes people take a little bit longer. Sometimes they they um, just want one or two sessions. But in those, I'm teaching a couple of different techniques to them, and they do find the suggestions very helpful. They do, but one of my most popular techniques is how to shut off the brain from everything you're thinking about. Because, you know, people go lay down in bed. It's like when they lay down in bed, when they shower, when they drive the car, they're thinking of like all these things that are rushing in, right? Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? And how am I going to take care of this or worries or something like that? So, one of my most popular techniques teaches them okay, how do we turn those off? Right? How do we let the worries go? How do we let them float away? And even the suggestion of that, of saying, okay, what if we pause here for a moment and we imagine those worries in uh, as floating across the horizon or in a thought bubble and the thought bubbles just float away, way off into the horizon, or they're like leaves floating down a stream, right? And just watch them float away. Well, for most people, even hearing that is pretty calming. And when you're talking about people with insomnia where anxiety often goes with it, I think, then that's giving them something to do with their anxiety, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, so you're actually helping them to um, accept that thoughts can come and go and it's okay, we can just observe and we don't have to engage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's so interesting because the leaves on the stream, similar exercise I use in my CBTI group also. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's, had, only, had, yeah, had, it's only a small component though in my treatment pro, uh, program. Okay. But I'm sure you get great feedback about it. Like I love that image. People will say that, right? Like I yeah. love Letting yeah. my worries go, the leaves floating down the stream. Mm-hmm. Right, definitely. I, I definitely get a lot of good feedback. And some people think, whoa, this is really good. You should record it. But the good thing for, for this kind of guidance, I think people can just go home, imagine themselves. They don't have to listen to our voice all the time. If they get idea. And I feel like some people can just benefit from this kind of like come and go, just let it be this kind of concept. They just carry the concept back to their life. That's already very powerful. It is. And I have some that I generally record in the session with the client, but then I have some that are pre-recorded too that I send home with them so that they have a tool to use at home. But I'm very clear, like, okay, once you learn this, I want you to be able to do it on your own. So this is for practice. So we practice in the office, right? Just like you're talking about in a group, you would practice. And then you can have some practice at home, but I don't want you to become dependent on turning on the audio file to be able to fall asleep. 
because I hear that too. I heard someone say, he's like, oh my gosh, I downloaded this one off the internet and I, I just can't, I can't listen to that voice one more time because he had been <laughs> listening to it for months. It wasn't me, it was somebody else. <laughs> but <laughs> it doesn't matter whether it's me or somebody else. Like if you listen to something for months every night, you're going to get bored, right? Yeah. So, so I was like, all right, I think the missing piece here is you learning the skill to do that yourself. Right. So how do you deal with um, the problem we talked about a little earlier? If, you know, some, someone is super anxious, they keep on trying all this, but for a lot of reasons, they still cannot fall asleep after maybe practice this several times, mm-hmm. um, right on bed or before sleep. And they were like, this is either not useful or no, I, I practiced, but I still need my medication. I just cannot sleep. I'm so anxious. What do you do with them? Well, one, I rarely hear that, that insomnia didn't, I mean, that hypnosis didn't help them. Like I, I seriously have never had a client come back and say that it didn't help them. So but I, I'm sure it exists. I'm not saying I'm magic. Okay. <laughs> so if they're coming back and saying, all right, I'm still having all these anxious thoughts. I can't do it. I have to get up and take the pill. Pills in general, I tell them to decrease gradually anyway. So just like we talked about on your podcast um, a couple of weeks ago, it's like I do not recommend that they go cold turkey. Now, I'm not a medical professional, so I do have to tell them you need to discuss that with your doctor and make sure that you're decreasing it in a way that's um, medically compatible for you because everybody is different. But in general, I don't recommend that someone go cold turkey off of their medication thinking that hypnosis is going to be the magic cure for them then, right? The magic pill. So I say, okay, gradually decrease that medication while you're learning the skill of self-hypnosis, really. That's what I'm teaching you so that your your brain muscles can be stronger in self-hypnosis while those associations to sleeping pills start to decrease and you begin to wean off that gradually. So if they're still having a lot of anxiety going on, then we really have to talk about anxiety treatment right? The focus there changes. Mm. How do you, and for me, I love CBT, cognitive behavior therapy. I'm also trained in DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, which is huge about emotional regulation, whether that's anxiety or out of control feelings or feeling overwhelmed, all of this. The DBT manual is just incredible about yeah, how to work with that. So then we're going more into how do you handle your anxiety? And let's look at the thoughts going on and let's figure out tools and skills for you to use at home so that your level of anxiety is coming down, period. Because I would never expect someone who has an extremely high level of an anxiety to be able to go right to sleep no matter what they're doing. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't happen. So you, I think as a clinician, I have to work with that piece if that's the piece I'm, I'm getting feedback on. And that does happen. People do come into my office and they're still really anxious. And, and so we start to work on that. 
Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that reminds me of、uh, CBT for insomnia method. There's one component targeting the、um, anxiety about sleep, and there are definitely some cognitive tools for them to practice that to in combination with all other. Uh, meditation and relaxation exercises. So I remember earlier you mentioned fifteen percent of people actually cannot,、um, like, really receive hypnosis successfully. Yes, that's what I've read in the research. How? So I'm very curious about that because personally, I'm someone a little bit afraid of hypnosis. Uh, because I'm not sure I'm one of those very easy to get into this subconscious state,、mm-hmm. or I'm someone not easy. So how can you tell who is a good candidate to receive this type of treatment, who is not? So for me, I do what's called the eye roll test, which was researched by a physician, and the thought around it was that there's Sometimes neurologically blocks to being hypnosis. So some people are more hypnotizable, quote unquote, than others, and we fall along the scale. So if there's a scale, there's some people who really can't be. Now, my mentor, one of my mentors, doesn't believe this. I do have to say that he's like,、oh. no, hypnosis and self-hypnosis is a skill, and you can teach it to pretty much everybody. But I happen to be married to someone, my husband, who on his screening, he would score like a zero. Let's say like you can't hypnotize him, and、oh. he will say his experience of like I've tried a couple of times with him as an experiment. I actually sent him to my mentor first, and then I was like, why don't we just try this as an experiment to see if you can go into a hypnotic state, and um. I've not been able to do it with him, so I'm like, okay, you're one of the fifteen percent, right? <laughs> But he'll do other things. I think that、um, put him into relaxation. It's also one of these rare people who can like fall asleep immediately, pretty much. Okay, so I sit here, I sit in bed sometimes, looking at him with MB. It does not take him the like ten to twenty minutes that it takes most people. But、um, it's it's really. They think a neurological thing, and they use it in a lot of studies too. To it's a there's a paper test, there's an eye roll test, there's a couple of different paper tests actually that you could give someone to say, hey, where are you on that scale, and is it going to be more practice for you to learn that skill or not? I'm someone who can go immediately, pretty much into trance, but I've also meditated for. Over like thirty years, twenty、um, five, I would say at this point. So it's it's very rare to meet someone who's meditated even for、um, short periods of time who can't go into hypnosis. I see. When I learned, just not really learn hypnosis, but we had you know psychology class. Sometime would talk about that when I was in school, and one of the tests. The teacher mentioned was the two hand. You just imagine one is super heavy, one is very like a balloon. Pull it up, one pull it down. Is that a legit test somehow to tell? It is. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard it put that way as a test, but it's it's funny because 
often when I need lead someone new into hypnosis, I'll use something similar. I'll say like, let one of your hands or arms feel heavier than the other and give me a little nod when it does. Well, the only person who's ever not been able to do that is my husband. Okay. <laughs> That's the oh. test I did on him. And I was like, oh, really? We tried all different kinds of ways. I was like, what about cold and hot? Or what about this or that? You know, no, mm-hmm. he feels no difference. So yeah, I would say that that's, um, that's legitimate, but I wouldn't say that if you try that on yourself, you should conclude that you can never be hypnotized because there's all different ways that hypnotherapists use to help lead someone into a hypnotic state. So right. that's just one way. That's very cool. So I went to a San Diego Hypnosis Association once, and I saw this one video from one of the doctors there. He treats teenager substance use and game addiction. So after he put this teenager into his unconscious state, then he will ask the teenager to type on a computer. Very interestingly, the subconscious self is typing, while the conscious self is asleep. So it's kind of like the doctor can communicate with the subconscious actor inside of this person. Yeah, have you ever like saw it that way or experienced that that way? I haven't seen like that particular technique or video. Um, I believe that because sometimes what I'll use, I'm not using a computer, but we'll use finger signaling. Oh, Raise one finger for a yes or two for a no, um, something like that. So sometimes what will happen is I'll, I'll ask a question to the subconscious and verbally someone will say yes and the fingers will say no. (laughs) So it doesn't line up. And this happened to me as well when I was under hypnosis. I was doing some deep work. And and I it surprised me, right? I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Like I my subconscious is something different. So I think it is a a real process that happens, particularly when you're looking at deeper beliefs. Right. Interesting that he's working with video game addiction. Like that I would call a trance. Period, a hypnotic trance, like a kid playing a video game mm-hmm. or an adult, an adult playing a video game mm-hmm. that I think a lot of us who have smartphones have that experience, right? Mm-hmm. We're playing on the smartphone, whether that's Facebook or a game or something like that. And you look up and realize like you had no idea what was going on around you, right? I was pulling up a parking space the other day. And there was, he was probably about 13, 14, um, a boy just staring at his phone right behind me. And his dad and sister were walking to where they were going, but he was just stuck still staring at his phone. And I gave a little beep and, and then he looked up and his, his dad motioned to him like, hey, get off your phone, right? You could probably insert a curse word in there. <laughs> and, um, but he is clearly in trance staring at his phone or else 
what would happen? Your safety stuff would take over and your body would go, hey, get out of the way of the big car coming your way, right? Mm. <laughs> so, or the tiger that's going to eat you, you know, something like that. So yeah, the video game is a big, big thing. It's, I would say like probably most of those people could be hypnotized because they're going into a type of trance anyway when they're on their computers. Right. Okay. Yeah. So also I heard uh, when people are in the hypnosis state, they actually, some of them cannot feel pain anymore. Like what you mentioned, the pain reduced. But I heard there's some places in the medical like surgery procedure, they can, if this person is allergic to anesthesia, then they would receive a procedure of hypnosis. So they don't feel pain, get through the surgery. Is that like, that's possible, huh? Yeah. So they've done medical studies on hypnosis and surgery, quite a few actually, and how it reduces bleeding times, which increases healing time. So they'll give, um, like say like a bone that's broken or skin that's burned, they'll give pictures to nurses and doctors, like double blind kind of study where they don't know whether the subject's been hypnotized or not. And they'll rate their level of healing where it's at. And if they've had hypnosis before the surgery, it's generally they're way ahead of the curve in terms of healing. So there's Mm. that kind of stuff. When you're talking about using hypnosis for anesthesia, I've known two people personally that did that. Mm. I was not their hypnotherapist. Dr. Holly Forster Miller, I actually had on my own podcast, Hypnotize Me. And she talks about that because she is allergic to anesthesia and she really needed the surgery. And so she did a hypnosis and practiced it ahead of time and went into surgery and was able to have a successful surgery. Wow. So yeah, that's a, a popular episode as you can imagine. <laughs> and um, I think it's incredible. You know, I would, she says in the interview that motivation is a huge factor in that case, right? So it's not like if you could have anesthesia, then should you use hypnosis instead? Probably not. You know, no one's going to elect to do that, right? Yeah. But if you really need a surgery, this is condition was starting to affect your life in a major way, and you can't have anesthesia, then hypnosis is an option. Mm-hmm. So I think it's incredible. It's like, oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, I'm not allergic to anesthesia. (laughs) Right. Well, but at least there's a way to deal with that um, because of the existence of hypnosis. That's great. I will definitely link that episode to the show note along with the name of your uh, podcast. Yes, she's a hypnotherapist herself. She actually does a lot of training and all of that. She's she's pretty well known. So yeah, I'll send them both over to you. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing all this knowledge and experience about how you use hypnosis in your work and especially how you use it to benefit so many patients with insomnia. That's very great information to to know. 
Yes, it was my pleasure. And I, I love working with insomnia and helping people and helping them sleep better, right? And lead happier lives. That's really what it's about. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very rewarding work. So how can people find you? What are your, you know, some of the information you want to share with audience? Yes. So I do have my own podcast called Hypnotize Me. And we talk about all kinds of different topics, actually. And that um, you can find on any podcast player. And then my website is drlizhypnosis.com. So that's D-R-L-I-Z hypnosis.com. And that's a jumping off point. You can find the podcast there, how to work with me. I can do hypnosis all over the world. How to, you can find a lot of information. I have a ton of videos, all that stuff. If you want to check me out at drlidshypnosis.com. Great. I will definitely check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm even thinking about if I ever visit um, Florida, I will maybe visit you and try hypnosis first time in my life. I never tried it. Oh, you didn't, even though you were a member of the society for a while. Right. I'm only there to learn. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, because was... it's it's not that uh, systematic class, so I never yeah. tried myself. Maybe. I'm still curious about it. Well, if you go to my website, you can download a free hypnosis file there too, and you could try that at home. So there's oh. one to reduce fear and anxiety, and there's one to increase emotional stability. And there's also one for a better pregnancy, but that one is also on Insight Timer. So I have a couple of them on Insight Timer, the meditation app as well. That's great. Congratulations yeah. to, to get into the Insight Timer. That's a popular app. It is. Yeah, it's very exciting. So thank you. But if you go to the website and join the newsletter, you'll get that one to reduce fear and anxiety and see what it's like. Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much for coming to the show today, Dr. Liz. Yes, thank you. Have a great day. So along with the sound of the thunderstorm in Florida, we finished the conversation with Dr. Liz. I learned a lot about hypnosis through our conversation, and I hope you do too. Looks like hypnosis can really help us to guide ourselves to think about things differently, to really change our perspective. And if you are curious, please feel free to check out Dr. Lee's website and the recordings uh, she recorded on her website. I also recorded leaves on the stream and the audio files are available on the website deepintosleep.co uh, in the front page. So far, they are only in Mandarin and I may record some in English later and put it on the website. You can find today's show note on our website, deepintosleep.co forward slash episode forward slash 011. After today's episode, I would encourage you all to try at least one of the meditation audios, either on Dr. Lee's website or on my website or on some of the free websites such as UCLA Meditation Center. They have some really awesome free meditation audios. Just try one and see whether that help to relax you. And hopefully after listening to that and practicing that, you enjoy a good night of sleep. 
Thank you very much for listening. Again, I would love to hear from you for any suggestions or questions. That's it for today, and I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co. Forward slash insomnia.